strong and powerful words uh, Paul uses here to persuade his brothers and sisters. So we'll read God's word to us. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Eudia and I plead with Syntyche to be the same, be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Sounds like I'm on. Well, as we, we continue our series, just in case for those of you who aren't, aren't aware of what, exactly what we're doing, we are in a series called Transformed, and uh, this morning's series is about transformed in my mental health. Interesting topic. So uh, let's just uh, listen to what God has to say to us. Before that, I just want to pray. Father, we thank you for, again, this uh, precious time of being able just to draw aside from what we normally do during the week and to meet with you and to meet with each other. You're the reason that we're here, Lord, and we just want to gaze upon you and behold your magnificence today. Just be caught up in the heavenlies with you. So do that work, Lord, that your Holy Spirit does in all of our hearts, we pray, as we just open our hearts right now to all that you want to say and do in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So transformed in my mental health. Um, so I, I thought I'd start off with a very quick mental exercise, if you want to call it that, this morning. You ready for it? You know, some of you are anyway. Now this is what I want you to do, very quickly. I want a quick show of hands this morning if you are willing to admit that you talk to yourself. Wow, a lot of honest people here. Some of you are dishonest. Like, keep your hands up. Put your hands down if you actually answer yourself. <laughs> Please put your hands down. Thank you very much. I think we should just... Yeah, thank you for that. Good clap. Yeah, good. Now, I'm sorry to have to admit to you or to inform you, actually, to inform you, and those who had your hands up, you will be relieved by this. But the fact is, all of us, without exception, do talk to ourselves. How about that? All of us 
<laughs> All of us do talk to ourselves. And the, small, the more special ones amongst us, we answer ourselves too. But according to one source that I read during the week, an average person, right, an average person can speak with their mouths at a rate of 150 to 200 words a minute. This is from this particular source I got, right? The average person. Again, I know that there are some who would be above average. Please don't look at each other about that. However, however, there is another kind of internal dialogue that we all have with ourselves and it has an astounding rate of about 1,300 words a minute. Did you know that? This inner conversation is called self-talk. Self-talk. We all have it. What an astounding rate. 1,300 words a minute compared to 150 to 200 that you can actually speak with your mouth. So you could say that someone who is deep in thought is actually, in fact, engaged in self-talk. And sometimes you know people like that. Sometimes people can be so busy engaging with themselves, with their self-talk, that they might walk right past you and not even notice you. They're just caught up in this internal dialogue. So much is going on inside here. So what are we normally saying in this high-speed internal conversation? What's normally being said? Unfortunately, the researchers also tell us that most of the messages that we repeat to ourselves during self-talk are in fact negative and self-defeating. An American Christian publication, this is the source that I used, called the Complete Life Encyclopedia, a Minrith Mia New Life Family Resource. That's the name of it. I've got this fantastic book at home. Rosemary's father gave it to me years ago. And it says this about self-talk. Listen to what I... Listen to what I want to share with you out of this particular reference. It says this, Most of our self-talk is unconscious and undirected and reflects a number of automatic, illogical and painful assumptions we have built up about ourselves and about life. It tends to overemphasise painful events and places too much emphasis on what other people think and say about us, or what we think they think and say. These negative messages lead to low self-esteem. Can some of you relate to that today? It go, this same publication goes on and says this, your brain has the capability to record and play back. Record messages, play them back. It has access to a personal library of thousands of recordings ready to play at a moment's notice. This mental library contains all the beliefs, attitudes and expectations that you have recorded during your life. Some of those recordings are truthful, such as, you can't please everybody all the time, and I am loved by God no matter how I feel. On the other hand, some of these recordings, some of these other recordings, it sounds like there's most of these recordings, are lies. Lies, such as, I don't deserve to be happy, or how could God love a person like me? Does that make sense? Do you kind of relate to that? I think I can. 
All right, so how do we deal with these kinds of things that do impact on the health and well-being of us all? How do we deal with these things? Well, I've got to say this. I have to admit that the, the outline in this transformation journal I found very helpful. If you haven't got one, they're available. See the church office, about $15 a copy. They've been heavily discounted. But they're worthwhile getting. And I found the outline that Rick Warren has is fairly important, because is fairly helpful and useful because this is what it says. This is the first one. Given what I've just shared with you, listen to what he says. This is his first point. First point is this. How do we deal with this? Don't believe everything you think. And I thought that was pretty good because I didn't use his material other than these, this particular outline. He says, don't believe everything you think. Why is that? Well, simply because, as you've just heard from these quotes, not everything that we think is true or right. So it makes sense that the Apostle Paul, inspired and led by the Holy Spirit of God to speak God's word to us and teach us, he says this. Look at verse 8 in that passage from Philippians 4. Given what I've just shared with you, don't believe everything that you think, listen to what Paul says. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Isn't it interesting? These words are there. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that word think is a lot deeper than just kind of, oh, you're thinking about it. Here I am, I'm thinking about it. It's not that. It's a deep thought. It's about fixing your minds on these things. It's weighing them up. It's pondering them. It's allowing it to drench your mind. That's what it's saying. Allow these beautiful things about Christ, fill your minds, drench yourself with it. Fix your minds on these kinds of things. Because isn't it true that our natural tendency, because of our sinful, fallen human nature, is to think about the opposite to what God is telling us to think about. Our natural tendency is to think the opposite things. And I think the prophet Jeremiah had a fair insight into this as well. <laughs> because listen to what he said. He sums it up pretty well. This is in the journal too, I think. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And then Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. We have to do that because not everything we think is right or true or good because the reality is you cannot afford you can't afford to believe or accept everything you think because much of the recordings that we have in our minds that we play back including the self-talk as I said are not true or right so given that the next step is this so the second step to, to, to take towards a transformed mental health is to guard your minds against garbage guard your minds against garbage you know most of you have heard that saying garbage in garbage out um it's just just like there's junk food that that we can consume you know that, that we can bodily consume just like there is junk food that can be consumed by our bodies and, and, and generally, that sort of junk food is, is, is not good for us. That's what I'm trying to say. It's unhealthy for us. So there is junk food 
that can be consumed by our minds. And that obviously also is unhealthy for us. And I don't think I'm overstating uh, things by saying that in this world, our, our minds are a battlefield. Um, a refuge station possibly but a, certainly a battlefield where we are bombarded daily by the garbage in this world I mean just look at the opposition that we all face as already mentioned first we need to contend with our own natural sinful desires that's just one thing secondly we need to we need to contend with the world's value system its standards its morals its value system what does that mean and then, of course, behind all that is Satan, who you recall is called by the Lord Jesus the father of lies. Someone said when Satan tells the truth, he's still lying. He's a murderer, he's a thief, he's a liar. He's the father of lies. John 8, 44, Jesus calls him that. And as we know, Satan is opposed he hates and he's opposed to anything relating to godliness, anything relating to purity, to holiness, which comes from a life surrendered to Christ. Satan will oppose you on that. He hates those things. Praise God, he's defeated through the blood of Jesus. But he is opposed to these things. I mean, when was the last time you saw or heard um, advertising or promotion on tv or radio or any other media when did you last hear that kind of thing encouraging you to pursue these christ-like virtues when did you last hear that on the radio or on tv Pers telling you to pursue godliness pursue purity pursue righteousness when was that last advertised no you see they mostly this this the media mostly glamorize garbage they glamorise garbage. The Apostle Paul reminds God's people in one... Sorry, the Apostle John, I should say. The Apostle John reminds God's people here in 1 John 2, 15, 16. Listen to this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... The pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. You know, in, in, in today's world and culture, um, what is seen as success and worth striving for, I think, can be summarised in, in three things, three things, which I believe John's also referring to in these verses that have just been read. Three things, really, that I think that success, you're measured by, you know, success is measured by you, or you're what am I trying to say? Success is measured by these three things. Money, power and sex. I reckon they're the three things that measures you in the, by the world standards as to how successful you are. And when you think about it, not a lot has changed, has it? Not a lot has changed from the time that the apostle wrote this, these words from God to warn his people then and to warn us today. Not a lot's changed in that area. But all these worldly values that we're all always continually, we seem to be continually exposed through, to, through the various media, from the people that we meet every day, from the people that we associate daily. And you know the scary thing? It all happens at a very young age. 
we are exposed to this stuff from a very young age. That's scary. Think about the lies that we are meant to believe from the father of lies. He wants us to impress those things and record those things in our minds, his lies. And so those scriptures again, we need to soak in these scriptures. Let me read those scriptures again from 1 John 2, 15 and 16. It says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. Now look at verse 17. This is what God says about all of that. Well, uh, verse 17, the world and all, sorry, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty good motivation, isn't it, not to pursue the garbage because it's all going to be burnt up. It's all going to fade away. It passes away. But whoever does the will of God, they live forever. There'll be no garbage in heaven. So let's not give any place for it in our minds here on the earth. Did you hear that? No garbage in heaven. So don't give it any place in our minds while we're on the earth serving Christ as his servants, as Christians. So the next question. So how do we, how do we guard against this kind of garbage infiltrating and dumping in our minds? How do we deal with that? What do we do? Well, see, the next step towards a transformed mental health helps to answer that. And that is that we need to, you need to, we need to, renew our minds daily with God's word. Renew your mind daily with God's word. We should all know Romans 12, 2 off by heart, I think. Let me read it in the New Living Translation. It says this, Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You can't get much better than God's will, can you? Because it's good, it's pleasing and perfect. Try and beat that. You won't. God's will, it's the way to go. And God does his will. He does that by his word filling and renewing your mind, which will transform your life. And of course, it transforms the way you think. Let God's, mind, let God's word fill your mind. Look at these words again from our text in Philippians 4. And let me encourage you to let your mind soak in these things. And, and let us put into practice right now what we need to do every day. So let me read those words to you again. And if you've got your Bible, and I hope you have, or some means of looking at God's word, look at these things. We need to do this every day. I just want to read from verse 6 down to verse 9. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, beyond our understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, soak on on these kinds of things. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Do you see how that works? So the garbage that you absorb during the day and perhaps the stuff that's imprinted in your, in your mind, in that memory bank, in that message bank of your mind, you need God's word to filter that, to cleanse it all out. Only God's word can do that. Nothing else really works. Um, I like what Warren Wesby says on this particular passage that we've just read. He said, The result is that the peace of God guards the heart and the mind. He says, You will remember that Paul was chained to a Roman soldier, guarded day and night. In like manner, the peace of God stands guard over the two areas that create worry, the heart, wrong feelings, and the mind, wrong thinking did you get that i love how he says that i I like how he says that listen to this the peace of god stands guard i love the way he puts that but you see not only does the peace of god stand guard but god's peace god's word will also take captive those wrong feelings and those wrong thoughts that you have in your mind God's word takes captive of those things that are wrong and unhealthy and unhelpful in your mind. Look at this scripture again. 2 Corinthians 10. I don't think we've read it yet. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds powerful words listen to these we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god we take captive every thought to make it obedient to christ powerful words aren't they do you see why we need to soak in these things you see paul's talking about the war that's going on in the human mind and he says we don't use the weapons of the world So what are these worldly weapons do you think Paul might be referring to? What does he mean by we don't use the weapons of the world? What does that mean? Well, this is my suggestion. I think, for example, the world's world's answer to wrong attitudes and bad behaviour, and I so often hear that, maybe you do too, the world's answer to wrong attitudes and wrong behaviour is, what do you think, starts with an E, education. We need to educate people. Wrong attitude, wrong thoughts, wrong behaviour. Well, people need to be educated. And I'm not at education. There's certainly a place for that. But it's this whole attitude, the world's attitude. This is the world's answer. More more education. More education means, you know, more wisdom. More wisdom develops more intelligence, maybe. And that will equip you and using per... To use Paul's words in verse 5, that will equip you to argue your point in a more convincing and more, in a more forceful manner. So education, I think, is one of, the, is one of the, the answers that the world has to the problems that we have in the world today. And as I said, I don't, there's a place for education. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
You can be the most intelligent and well-educated person on the planet and still believe the lies and the garbage that the father of lies has gotten you to record and store right up there in your mind over your lifetime. And how many people do you know who are brilliant at what they do? Academics, brilliant, intelligent people, and they're walking around believing the lies that have been fed to them by the father of lies all through their life. Education has helped them. You see, it's not about information, it's about transformation. That's the desperate need that's in the world today. That's the desperate need that every human being has. Not more information. Transformation is what we're talking about. It's what Jesus Christ does to a human heart that's open. Romans 12, soak in that. You see, that's why Paul goes on and he says in verse 4 of the 2 Corinthians passage that I've just read, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're right. He says, on the contrary, the weapons we use, he says, they have divine power to demolish stronghold. Not just to kind of put you there and say, hey, look, this is my suggestion. They demolish these strongholds. What are these strongholds then? Strongholds, they're the lies that we've been convinced to believe about ourselves, about others, about this world and about God. That's what I think the strongholds are. There's a book, I haven't read it, in one of the references that I've got, it made reference to this book, I believe it's a Christian book, written by a guy called Thomas Nelson in 1989. The book is simply this, The Lies We Believe. That's the name of the book, The Lies We Believe. Thomas Nelson, 1989. Question for you. So what lies might you still be believing today? What lies might you still be believing yourself today? And if I could be so bold, what garbage needs to be cleared out of your mind as well today? What's been accumulating up there? maybe you weren't even aware of you see as God's people that's why we treasure God's word we love God's word we treasure his we treasure we treasure the prayer life that we that we need to develop we treasure prayer we treasure God's word we treasure it so much because it renews our minds daily and cleans us up from the dirt of this world isn't it interesting you know we most of us take a daily shower don't we most of us will take a daily shower to clean the dirt from our bodies. And in the same way, we need to take a daily soak in God's word to clean away the dirt that would otherwise deposit and accumulate in our minds. Do you get that? Just as you clean your body under the shower, you need to clean your mind and you do that by soaking in God's word. Let me read those words again, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let me just share as I bring this to a close now. 
Let me share two very insightful comments. In fact, there's three uh, from these Bible scholars that I admire. Again, Warren Wesby, he says this about this passage. He says, there was disobedience in Corinth because Christians were believing lies <laughs> instead of the truth of God's word. Paul warned them that he would smash their arguments and false doctrines and bring their hearts and minds to the place of obedience. He also says some other interesting things. Wesby says, church problems are not solved simply by changing the constitution, revising the church program or reorganising the board, but by confronting people and problems with the word of God. That's what works. Colin Cruz, another one that I enjoyed uh, what he said. He says this, Colin Cruz that is. Thus by the proclamation of the gospel, Paul can destroy arguments and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The imagery is of a stronghold breached and those sheltering behind its walls taken captive. So the apostle's purpose is not only to demolish false arguments, but also to bring people's thoughts under the lordship of Christ. I like that. His calling as an apostle was to bring about the obedience of faith among the nations. Romans 1.5. So much good stuff in this. Rick Warren, he says this. He says, the reason why most people are ineffective in life and actually fail at life and actually don't enjoy life is because they've never learned how to fight the battle of the mind. And that's what this is about. So to help us in the transformation of our mental health, three things, take note of these this morning. Don't believe everything that you think. Guard your mind against garbage. Thirdly, renew your mind daily with God's word. And I will say daily, not weekly. You need to do this every day. You need to have a meal every day, well then have a spiritual meal as well. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. There's two other points, by the way. If you're filling in this journal, there's two other points uh, that you need to fill in. Well, I'm not going to give you the answers to that. I haven't got time. You can look for those yourself. But I want to close with a poem. Have I got time? Yes, I have. Very quickly. I love this poem. If you've got the Purpose Driven Life book, this poem's in there. It's written by Russell Keffler. And I think it sums up things beautifully. Let me close with this. You are who you are for a reason. You're part of an intricate plan. You're a precious and, perf you're precious and perfect unique design called God's special woman or man. You look like you look for a reason. Our God made no mistake. He knit you together within the womb. You're just what he wanted to make. The parents you had were the ones he chose. And no matter how you may feel, they were custom designed with God's plan in mind. They bear the master's seal. No, that trauma you faced was not easy. And God wept that it hurt you so. But it was to allow to shape your heart and mind. I've added mind to that. But it was allowed to shape your heart and mind, my words, so that into his likeness you'd grow. You are who you are for a reason. You've been formed by the master's rod. You are who you are, beloved. 
because there is a God. Amen? Yeah, let's just pray. Father, thank you for thank you for your words to us today, Lord. And just thank you for the power that we, we try to perceive something of the power of your word and how you're able, Lord, to demolish arguments and strongholds and all those things, all the false things. Father, help us, we pray, by the power of your spirit, to examine our minds, examine our hearts before you so that, Lord, we're not walking around believing lies that may have impressed upon us even from a young age. So help us, Lord, examine our hearts, examine our minds, and, Lord, help us to replace the lies with the truth that comes from the word of God. Your word is truth. And so we ask, Lord, that you help us to be people who soak our minds daily in the word of God and put into practice the things that you call us to do. Help us to be people, not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word also. So, Father, we thank you again for your word to us, and we ask you to help us in our daily lives to put these into practice. And, Father, also, not just for ourselves, but to tell others as well. The people that you bring across our path, Lord, help us to share these wonderful truths with them as well. And, Father, we'll give you all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you all to stand as we uh, close our service this morning with this last song. May the mind of Christ be one that got all of our lives. May the mind of Christ, my Saviour, in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say all I do and say May the word of God dwelled richly in my heart from now to hour so that all I triumph only through his power, only through his power. In the world of God, my Father, rule my life in every field, that I may become to comfort, sick and sorrow. Sick and sorrowing. 